Okay, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to now sit quietly and with a measure of your peace and grace that we can hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your very presence today. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for helping us to realize more and more each day that we need you. We need you in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your patience, too, because sometimes we are very stubborn people. And there are many times that we certainly just need to be able to hear you speak to us right now. Thank you for what you're doing. We give you praise and thanks. In all these things, in Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned earlier that we're going to be looking at a baptism later, but of course baptism is the secondary part of acknowledging you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's a public acknowledgement. So let's talk about the most important day of our lives, amen? The most important day of our lives, you know, day by day, Week by week, month by month, year after year, we typically have milestones of events or snapshots of events that take place in our lives. Amen. There are things that happen and we know about them because they hit our calendar every month. Now, everybody knows the date of his or her birthday. Amen. You learned that when your mom and dad told you when your birthday was. So you that always has stuck with you. You always know what your birthday is. Most people remember when they graduated from high school or college. And they remember even what day that was when that took place. Some will remember or <laughs> or try to forget when their wedding anniversary is. Now, I think when I first wrote that a long time ago, I, I was meant for humor and it worked. So, <laughs> But you do remember those days. And a few will make a point even going further than that to remember when they met their wife or their husband for the first time or perhaps their first kiss. Or when the wedding proposal took place. Um, all of these dates are important, but let's consider the most important date of all. Do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember the day you got saved? The day that you were saved is truly the ultimate milestone day of your life. And it's good to talk about salvation now because we typically don't have a lot of messages that just focus on salvation. But today just seemed like a good day to do it. Uh, We're talking about one aspect of uh, the church service, the baptism, but what comes before that? What's really important? What's important to recognize here? Now... The day you got saved is a day you may or may not remember in the same way you would remember your first wedding day or your your first date even. Because it has a different impact. What needs to be noted is that it is really not all that is important whether or not you remember all of these details as to the day you were saved. What's most important is knowing that you are saved. Knowing that you are saved. I mean, if you remember the day that you got saved, great. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter what day that was, just knowing that you are saved. 
And I say this with all due respect to everyone in the room here. And, and we have some people here that haven't been with us all the time. But I'm mentioning this for the sake of just the general audience. I don't assume anything about your salvation. That has to be something that you have to take responsibility for. You have to. I can say all kinds of clever words and give a message about what the truth is in Scripture. But if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's just like talking in the wind to you. It's best to know that you are saved and to know what being saved really means. What does it mean? Let's talk about, first of all, the definition of the word saved and how it relates to the term salvation. To be saved indicates that a type of rescue or removal from a dangerous situation or circumstance has taken place. That's what being saved is. When a person is rescued from a burning building or being rescued from a possible drowning or some similar calamity, there's a certainty that life would be lost if it were not for the rescue effort. In the same way, referring to the spiritual condition of a person to be saved is to what? To avoid the end result when you are not rescued. It's a certainty of death. But what kind of death are we talking about? Not just a physical death, which is often sometimes misunderstood, but a spiritual death. We all know we're going to die one day, amen? 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 We all know that we have a certain number of days. And those days have already been determined because God is the one, as our Creator has determined them. But being saved is being rescued from spiritual death. Because once you physically die, that eternity continues one place or another. Amen? The spiritual death in its simplest form is the result of man's inability to have a relationship with God who is holy. Spiritual death is the equivalent of a separation from God. A lot of people try to put fire and brimstone at the forefront of this discussion about salvation. Let me challenge you with something. The worst thing is not the fire and brimstone. It's the separation from your creator. It's the eternal separation from your creator. That, for a created being such as myself, would be the worst possible scenario. Everything else is just basically icing. It's that separation. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Romans 3.23. We're going to motor through a couple of verses here and take a look at these. I want you to ponder, though. Now, I'm saying this, too, also. I meant to mention this earlier. I'm going to make 
a small assumption that a good number of people in this room are saved. Amen? I mean, you know who you are. Okay? You already know who you are. But I'm also going to make the assumption that there's more to learn. And if you've got people in your life who don't know the Lord, tell them about the Lord. Have these conversations. Of course, all conversations you have are always done in the spirit. But you know what? Sometimes we got to look at it this way. There's no time to lose. Life is short and precious. I read a story the other day about, um, it's, a, it's a college that I know about, I've been looking at, down in South Carolina. It's a Converse University. And it's a Christian university. And the president of the university uh, was being celebrated because he was there actually to help make a transition from when it was called a college to a university. And um, he was there for his expertise and also the ability to bring in international students. He was killed the other day in a bicycle accident near his home. I say that not to bring a downer to this because it affected me emotionally. It still does now. Just I don't know him personally. But it just shows how sudden life can end when you don't expect it. And so when I say something like this, I really want you to think about people in your life who don't know the Lord, who need to know the Lord. Pray about your communication with them. Pray about what you're going to say to them. And as we talk about baptism, baptism is wonderful, but baptism is just one aspect of your Christian life. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every one of us in this room. Every one of us, essentially, at birth, were condemned because of our fleshliness. So we've all sinned. So that's the category. When you make an absolute statement like this, it's a statement you have to pay attention to. Because everyone in this room has sinned at some point. Amen? Amen. Amen. Flip over to Romans 5.12, please. Remember, what we're trying to do is avoid this eternal separation. The eternal separation from God. That's what this is all about. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men, because all sinned. There's another absolute statement about how we sin. What's the point of this? Sin is what separates us from having a relationship with God. Sin separates us now. And if we don't acknowledge and recognize it in the future, it's going to separate us for all eternity. It wouldn't take us very long to recognize the sin in our lives, especially if you review what the Bible says about our tendencies. For those who say, oh, I'm a good person. Yeah, you are. You're a good person in your own self. 
Take a look at what it says in Ephesians 2. Flip over to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to this worldly age, according to the ruler of the atmospheric domain, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And by nature, we were children under wrath, as the others were also. And let's do one more. Go to Jeremiah 17.9. And we'll keep this train moving here. Now, as you make note of these verses... These are verses you can share with someone else and talk about what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. Do you carry your Bible around with you? Amen? Do you carry your Bible around with you? Even if it's on your phone. Amen? You always carry your cell phone, right? Well, you should have a Bible in there somewhere. Amen? Amen? All right now. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know what? That's us. That's us. That's who we are. And I know there are children in the audience who actually know what that means too. Amen, children? Don't expect to hear anything from the kids. They won't amen you back. But they understand. If we're teaching them, they understand. Thankfully, the Bible provides a remedy for our sin, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is our remedy. He is the provision of our salvation. He is the one that takes care of this issue about being saved. He provides the salvation because he loved us before we could even begin to love him. And he loves us more than we can begin to imagine. You know, we were just having a conversation this morning on Sunday school about the magnitude of God through Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? How much does he love, does he love us? I did make a challenge online too to ask people to take time. Take five minutes of your time today. Five minutes. If you're out somewhere, go to a park and sit and just watch the trees and the leaves and all that stuff and... Or if you're at home, just sit quietly and turn off the TV. Take five minutes and think about God's goodness. Think about what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's worth the time. Because you're going to learn something in that five minutes. Five minutes. You have to understand, five minutes is a long time for some of us. Amen? Five minutes is a long time. And we need to stop and think about God's goodness. Jesus Christ is the provision for our sin that allows us to have this fellowship with him. And he rescued us from this eternal separation and eternal punishment for our sin. 
You can't talk about Jesus Christ enough about what he's done. You can't talk about him enough. We cannot ignore that God punishes sin because he's a holy God that judges unrighteousness. Nobody ever wants to hear the word punishes. But what people have to realize is that we're the ones sinning, not God. We condemn ourselves if we don't acknowledge Christ as Savior. I love how the Old Testament gave us information to let us know about this coming Savior. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. All 66 books of the Bible make a reference to Jesus Christ. And we're going in an Old Testament passage. And one of the things that we talked about this morning is that you've got to read the Old Testament just like you read the New Testament. The Old Testament is the completion of everything that Christ is trying to teach us. But Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Isaiah knew what he was talking about when he put this down? Do you think he knew about who Jesus Christ was? I'm going to challenge you. He probably didn't know. He probably acknowledged it was something wonderful and amazing. But aren't you glad you know? Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Christ died on the cross because of our sin. He takes our punishment. He took our punishment. Now, why go through this whole exercise and talk about this? Well, there comes to a point where we have to understand the life that we were living at some point had to have a change. Amen? There had to be a change. And for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what they're doing? Honestly, they're circling the drain. They're circling the drain. You know how it is when you have that steel ball go up. I think if you go back to that uh, fountain back there and just put something in there and it rolls around and it rolls around for a long time, but eventually it gets to what? The center area where it drops. Non-believers are circling the drain. They don't always realize it, but they do form the circular motion of just going in circles in life. And not finding direction. Or leaning on their own understanding. And not on God's understanding. We recognize as believers that we need to be saved. We needed a lifeline. We needed somebody to reach out to. And that was Jesus Christ. If it were not for the amazing love of God through Jesus Christ. Who makes the provision for our salvation. We would have no 
hope of any spiritual life with him. That's why people come back to you and say, well, wait a minute. Aren't there different ways to get to heaven? Aren't there different ways we can achieve this thing? Can we not just do this by just being as righteous as we can be? Treating people the right way? And the verse, the verse that you come back to right away is John fourteen six. I, meaning Jesus Christ, and the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Who better it be than Jesus Christ who is there from the very moment of creation? Of course he's the one to come to. No one will ever find a better way to do it. John 3 verses 16 and 17. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his only son, his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 is just as important as 16. Believe it or not. Say them both when you talk to people. Don't just say John 3.16. Throw in 17. For God did not send his son into the world that he might judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Through him. Very specific. Salvation is a gift from God through Jesus Christ. It's not an assumption. It's not an afterthought. He makes provision for us. The believer in Jesus Christ must recognize that gift of salvation and accept it. Accept it. Many see the love of Christ and recognize that they have a gift. If only they would accept it. There's a bunch of people who know who Christ is. But you've got to accept the gift. You have to acknowledge you need the gift. Can't help but wonder if if God charged us money for this salvation. How many of us would say, oh man, no. Too expensive. It's a gift. Now, the flesh, let's just say people you know, okay? People you know in your life who are not believers. Let's just exclude the conversations in this room, shall we? Let's talk about people we know. He says with a wink. But still, I want to have fun. Isn't being a Christian boring? Bore. I want to live my life the way I want to. Can't nobody tell me what to do. I can still go to church and to the club, can't I? I hope there ain't nobody in here. I've got plenty of time to accept the Lord. No, you don't have time. A person who allows the Holy Spirit, who gives the person the ability to see the wonder of the gift of salvation. 
for what it truly is, receives the gift with the proper attitude. The proper attitude. In other words, when you recognize that you need the Lord desperately, I need a change in my life, you've got the right attitude. You're not just doing it for feels. You're not just doing it because you think you should do it because of pure pressure. You're doing it because you genuinely believe it's time, Lord. It's time for a change. I became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ at age 26. At age 26, there's a lot of time between age zero and age 26 when you have to live a life of a certain way. And do you know that God keeps you through those 26 years or whatever years you have before you even acknowledge Christ? Amen? Amen. Everybody in this room knows that. He absolutely keeps you. Because sometimes, up until those 26 years, you are your own worst enemy. Amen? Amen. All right now. How does a person know that they're truly saved? Well, first of all, a person who is saved, truly saved, must do these two things almost simultaneously. First, when a decision is, decision is made to live for Christ, the person who is truly saved must have, what, a heart of repentance, a desire to avoid unrighteousness, and a desire to seek righteousness. I want to do what's right, not by what I think, but what by Christ thinks. That's a huge deal. You've got to make that distinction. The key word here is what? A heart of repentance. We have to seek him. He gives us the heart to seek him through repentance. That's what we're talking about here. We've got to repent of our sin in order to begin moving down the path of righteousness to him. It's a path. It's a starting point. You're basically at the first pebble of your path walk. But you've got to have the desire to put away the world's pleasures and live in such a way where we want to live for him. That's the first step to knowing that you're truly saved. What's next? Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the person who died for you. You personally. Not for the church. Not for your friends. You personally. And receive his gift of salvation. Now, you know, some of us would think, boy, we're getting a gift. It's a simple thing to do. Well, it is. But it also isn't. It's not so simple. If you think about it, most of us will have a feeling of gratitude for receiving something for nothing from a stranger. But we might also have an awkward feeling that comes from it. What if somebody walked up to you as a total stranger and gave you a gift? Now, is that going to be a great encounter or is it going to be kind of awkward? It's like, who is this person? Who is this? In fact, some of us are compelled to now look at the first opportunity to give that person who gave us the gift comparable in return as if it was a gift exchange. Well, you don't do gift exchanges with Jesus Christ. All he wants is your obedience. That's what he wants. There's no gift that we can give to him that comes close to his gift of life for us 
and to keep us out of eternal damnation. There's no greater gift than that. All he wants for us to do is be obedient to him. How easy is that for you to do? You got to work at it, don't you? It takes work. If you want something bad enough, you're going to work for it. If you want that relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to work for it. If you want anything bad enough, you're going to work your butt off for it. Amen? You should just stop and say thank you to Jesus. Say thank you. Thank you for showing me the way to live for you. You should be saying thank you. That means you're showing appreciation for that gift. You say thank you. Say thank you to Jesus for what he's doing. Jesus knows all about us. He knows all about who we are. When we understand that God knows us better than we know ourselves, it's worth paying attention to. Turn to Psalm 139. Let's look at verses 13 through 16. I don't think you can go back over this verse enough. Just a personal thing. But we sometimes forget... And we can't always conceive because of who we are that God knows us and knew about us before we were conceived. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't talk about this enough. He knows all about you. And he loves you. Because God doesn't make junk. Amen? Doesn't make junk. This is a testimony that every single one of us is special to him. The time of your birth, the detail, the knowledge of God devoted to creating each one of us. It's a testimony that you're here. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. I'll say it again. You're not here by accident. You're his creation. He knows you intimately. Matthew 10.30 says, But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Now, if you count all the hairs on my head right now, there ain't that many. But Jesus knows exactly what stubble I have up here. He knows exactly who I am. That I would eventually have less hair this time of my life. A lot of hair here. He knows all about that too. If he knows you personally, shouldn't you know him in the same way? 
What do you think? Shouldn't you know him in the same way? If you have done these things that I have mentioned before, you are truly saved. And that's what's really important. All of us want to come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for us. He wants all of us to have that. He recognizes that everybody will, though. He desires for all of us to come to that saving knowledge. He wants us to. That's his will. But we need to recognize that not everybody wants to be obedient to his will. Gives you pause. You should be praying every single day for people that you know who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean every day, everybody. Every day. Prayer changes hearts and minds. Prayer changes things. If you make the appeal to God, if you are living a life for Christ, if you make those appeals to Him, He listens and He will answer. Make it a point of prayer. We sometimes forget to pray for people like that. We need to do that. In your circle of influence, the people that you know, pray for them. Jesus wants all of us to know. 1 Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And what we have to also recognize, too, this is a very interesting verse. Go to 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. We're on the home stretch here. 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. In the same way that you should be praying for people that you know to come to see the Lord. Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Second Peter 3 verses 8 and 9 says the same thing about how what God wants for us too. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you. Thank the Lord He's patient. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ seals you for a redemption of your sins. It is God's assurance to you of protection of your soul, your spiritual life after you leave here. He seals you for the purpose of being with him for all eternity. The line is drawn, everybody. You understand exactly what is necessary to be truly saved. The baptism is important, but being saved is of the utmost importance. It was and still is, for those of you who don't know the Lord, the most important day of your life. The most important day of life. More than anything else we've ever celebrated. Birthdays, anniversaries, your salvation is that important. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the reminder that we are to be those who go out as disciples in the world. And speak to people about the truth of who you are and who you and what you represent. Lord, we love you. And we know that through the spirit you give us the enabling power to be able to speak to others about 
your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your salvation. Thank you for how you teach us. Thank you for your instruction and thank you for the reminders that we can just come to you. Go to your word, make reference points, go back and speak to others about the goodness, about your goodness. Lord, we thank you for helping us to prioritize what's right, what's necessary here. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love for us. For loving us more than we could ever imagine. Lord, you are good to us. You are always good to us. Help us to be better when it comes to our relationship with you. Help us and give us strength and encouragement. Help us to overcome fear that we may come across that distracts us from looking to you. We are well aware, Lord, that Satan is the author of this world. He is the one who is in control of this world, not the author. He is the one who is in control of this world. You are the author over all. And I thank you for that. I thank you that Satan's already defeated. I thank you that death has already been conquered. I thank you that all we need to do is just recognize who you are in our lives and turn away from our sin. Lord, we just give you thanks and praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Think about it, love. Think about it, too. Think about it.